Hi. Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, Leah Hextall stops by to talk about that amazing game between the Jets and Lightning and looking ahead to what this could mean for the rest of the season. As well, the Westman Classic coming up soon. Check in with Winnipeg Westman Athletic Director Dave Crook and something called the Fandom 250, the top fan bases of sports pop culture. The Jets don't make the cut. Why? Why? Find out on the podcast. Leah, you still thinking about that game last night? How good was that? Okay, really, how good was that? And I know you just asked <laughs> me that, but how good was that? I mean, and it's funny, Christian, because I was thinking about you last night as watching the game, because when we talked on Friday, we weren't trying to leapfrog the game against Chicago, but obviously we were jacked up about what happens on Sunday night between Tampa and the Jets. But you said to me, you know, do players really get up for this kind of game? Do they really look at it like this is a big game? And I want to ask that question to you right now after watching that last night and the Jets' reaction. Do you feel that that was a different kind of caliber game for them? Absolutely. You saw the way that Brandon Tanev reacted, the way that Nikolai Ehlers reacted mm-hmm. when they tied the game late, when they won it in overtime. Being in the locker room after the game, you could definitely sense a different kind of vibe. Blake Wheeler was was muted, I'd say, but the other guys were louder than usual, yelling down the hallways at each other. It def- definitely had a different feel. And whether, you know, they wouldn't really admit to that after the game because it is still December 17th now today. But even watching that, I think a lot of people in the arena, there was a different feel compared to a de- typical December game. And I don't know if that translated on TV or not, but certainly thought that you're not going to get a better December game in the NHL than what we saw last night. You might not get a better regular season game than what we saw last night. And that was the first thing that I noticed about that game is that there was a playoff atmosphere type feel to it. Because the fact is, is exactly what you just said. Not a single player or coach or member of the Jets organization is going to sit there and say that was a big game. That was an important game. But it was an important game. It was a big game. And this is why. You can have others say the Winnipeg Jets are a Stanley Cup contender. The Winnipeg Jets are the Stanley Cup favorite. The Winnipeg Jets are a good hockey club. But you can think that. You can say that. You can kind of know it because they do pretty well. But it's when it's those measuring stick type games that they can come out and not only win, Christian, but battle back. Battle back against one of the most potent offenses I've ever seen in a National Hockey League team and continue to do what they did last night against the top team in the NHL. That right there is a turning point in this season. And if people question that, they're wrong. That game meant everything because for the Winnipeg Jets, right now, get on board, they can win the Stanley Cup. And last night, whether they will admit it or not, they know how good they are of a hockey club. And that is a huge thing as we head into the December break. And to do it, the way their schedule had played out of playing back-to-back nights, both going to overtime Friday or Thursday here, Friday in Chicago, then coming back to Winnipeg again to play the best team in the NHL. Paul Maurice said it could have been an excuse that the legs wouldn't be there. And he worried that they would be a little bit tired they gave it, I would say, everything they had. I, I wouldn't be surprised if going to L.A., there could be a bit of a letdown tomorrow night. 
there could be a little bit of a letdown. And you're also going back into that situation, and there's been a lot of talk about the fact that the Winnipeg Jets, you look at the teams that they've done so well against, because when you look at their December, they're sitting at 8-1. and one. They're first in wins within the National Hockey League this month. But they haven't played that many playoff teams. So there's that, I would call it, people speculating, well, are they as good as we think they are because they have been playing lesser teams. I don't believe in that because I don't think any team in the NHL is a lesser team. And that's the mentality that the Jets have to have going in for this West Coast swing because, yes, they're playing teams like L.A. and San Jose, who's been a little underachieving, and then the Vancouver Canucks. But these teams are all good teams that can beat you on any given night, and the Jets know that. And I'm going to believe that it's going to have the opposite effect, Um, and this is why. They're now on the road. If they were at home right now heading into the Christmas break, I could see the holiday blahs kind of setting in. Because when you're at home, you don't just get to concentrate on the game. You don't just get to concentrate on your routine. You're at home. You have your family. You have commitments. You have your kids. You have charity events that you have to do. There's so much more media when you're here at home instead of on the road. So I actually think this is a great thing that the Jets are going to go on the road now and play, I believe, the next five of their last seven games out there because I think it'll be good for them heading into the holidays. So they have at L.A., at San Jose, at Vancouver, then they're off for four days, and they're home for Calgary on the 27th, the Wild on the 29th, and then they finish 2018 at Edmonton on the 31st. So you've got the West swing that's a little bit easier than Calgary, who's had a great season so far. I don't know if they're flying a little bit under the radar right now with the way that Toronto and Winnipeg have been playing, but Calgary right now is one of the best teams in the league too. Calgary is a fantastic team, and this is probably the team in Calgary that we thought that we would have seen last year. This is the team that everyone thought last year because of the adjustments they had made, they bring in the Travis Hamannicks of the world and whatnot, and, uh, you know, still having all that firepower up front with Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan. So I think that that season kind of skipped a beat because they definitely didn't do what they wanted to do last year. And now they are doing it. I mean, they also seem to have found a solution in net. So it's going to be interesting to see if the flames can continue to produce the way they are, but they also look, if you've seen them, like they're having a ton of fun right now as well. And I think that's a key component So that'll be a great battle when it comes to the Western Conference because I agree with you. I think that a lot of people haven't put the Calgary Flames on their radar yet, and they should be. So Philadelphia fires Dave Haxtell today after the reports come out that it could be Joel Quenville taking over. (laughs) That came out yesterday, so they pretty much had no choice but to do it today. Any thoughts on uh, the ongoing saga that is the Philadelphia Flyers? Yeah, the ongoing saga was that I don't believe for a hot second that Joel Quenville was ever going to come to that team. I still don't think he's going to come to that team. I think they're going to have an interim head coach for the rest of the season. I think they thought maybe they could get Coach Q, but I really believe Quenville's going to take the rest of the season to reflect and then see what his opportunities are out. I think that when he goes back into coaching, if he decides to go back into coaching, because what does he really need to prove? And he's sitting around collecting eight mil a year or something mm-hmm. along that line. Mm-hmm. Uh, why he's going to want to go back into a really good situation. And I don't think there's anything, and this has no bias to it. I don't think there's anything right now from all the headlines you can read that makes you think that Philly's a good situation to walk into right no. now. So I don't think that that was going to happen at all. What I find interesting though, Christian is that five coaches have been released in the NHL in the last 44 days. 
Like, that's a bloodbath. You had, in L.A., you had Stevens, Joe Quenville in Chicago, as we just mentioned, Mike Yeo in St. Louis, Tom McClellan in Edmonton, and now you have Hackstall in Philadelphia. We didn't see a single coach removed from their job last year. We have five in 44 days. So it's a really interesting year with a lot of drama right now. But that all comes back to the fact that a lot of teams came into this season thinking they were going to be contenders, but they're not. And a big reason for a lot of those teams, when you look at all those teams that I just mentioned there, is that they're not fast enough. And what we saw last night between Winnipeg and Tampa Bay is that this Mm. game, more than ever, is built all on speed and all on skill. And if you don't have the skaters, it doesn't matter how good of a team you are. It doesn't matter if you have good players because you have to be able to keep up because that's where the game is right now. And there's a lot of great players out there. You think of Drew Doughty and, and you know, a lot of incredible players, but they just can't keep up with the speed of the game right now. They're just a step behind, and that's going to cost you. 52nd Westman Classic starts December 28th at the University of Winnipeg. And for the first time... Women take center stage all on their own. Women's basketball team has in the past played when the men play, but this is just women's basketball right there at the Duckworth Center. Eight teams will be here. Winnipeg, Manitoba, Brandon, UBC, Okanagan, Regina, Calgary, Algoma, and Lakehead. So to talk about this, I caught up with University of Winnipeg Athletic Director Dave Crook. Dave, this is uh, how many Westman Classics for you now? As a fan, a coach, or whatever. Probably as a coach, I think I did 27 or 28. I think I kept, you know, I don't even know off the, but a lot. And, uh, you know, as a fan, like I said, I've been there since the, was the days at the Winnipeg Arena, you know, so it's uh, it's awesome. It's I just love the Western Classic. And to be able to put the women's basketball team front and center, how does that feel? It's great. You know, I think it was a big decision that I had, I made when I came in that I thought we needed to share this event. You know, we got the men's through 50, and I think that was important. But I think after that, something of this magnitude, I think we needed to share it with all our community. And it's something that, you know, we got approval from the university, we move forward with, and I think it's a great opportunity, and it's a huge this year for Tanya and her program. And the idea that now there's a number of key good teams coming in here, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams play holiday tournaments, but this seems like one of the more stacked tournaments you'll see across the country. Yeah, it's good. It's great. You know, we've got the three teams who are top ten, and I think that that just shows that it's going to be a great level of basketball. It's a great opportunity for people to see, and it'd be fantastic if uh, the Bisons win their first night, we win our first night, the two teams in the semifinal, and one of them going on probably to play a team ranked in the top ten of the country. A great opportunity for Winnipeg basketball. Now, the idea of putting in a ring of honor, how long has that been in the works? We've talked about it for a couple of years, and we just tried to work out the logistics and make things happen. Got approval again from the university, put the Ring of Honor up. We're starting off with the first class because of the women's basketball tournament. We're going with Tom Kendall, you know, the coach of uh, three national championship teams, an 88-win streak, which is fantastic. Sandra Carroll, who was CIS Athlete of the Year, CIU Player of the Year, multi-time All-Canadian. So she's going in as the first athlete, Tom Kendall, going in as, uh, you know, first non-athlete, and we're just excited that, you know, that Tom would be back, and it's a great opportunity. How excited are you to see Tom? It's pretty cool. He's a great guy. I've known him for a long time. I said he was like one of my profs when I was a student here. So it'll be really nice to see him, and uh, I'm, I'm honored that he's coming back. You know, for the for the tournament. You know, we have the Jets and Bombers in town, so a lot of times university sports don't make the the headlines, but. That time when the University of Winnipeg women's team was running off all those wins, 
What was that like in this city? It was crazy. You know, I mean, you think about the fact that, you know, that the game, the, the, the big game, the 89 game, when the Bisons actually won, which I, I hate to say, you know, TSN back then, and there wasn't like there was 25 TSNs. There was one TSN. TSN came in, showed that game, women's basketball game in Winnipeg. I mean, it was unbelievable. The Duckworth Center people, you know, the track full, people standing, like the environment, the atmosphere in the building was incredible. And I imagine you kind of dream of that somehow happening again someday. It would be awesome, you know what I mean? Hopefully the people more and more, the more we do and the more we get support, that people understand the quality of university sport. I mean, you know, if we just look at the hockey on the weekend or people downplay, you know, university hockey and the hockey team knocking off the world junior team where I think they beat them two out of three, you know, and took the other game to overtime. So university sport is an you know, a gem, and people just have to discover it. Well, and we had the Bisons win the championship last year in women's hockey, and not a lot of people go to see those games, unfortunately. That's the way it is now. But, you know, someone like myself who's been going to university games for years, it's good stuff. And these kids, you know, they're... They may not play basketball after this level, so they're giving it everything they got. Yeah, I know it's it's fantastic, and it's a you know it's the highest level of basketball in this country, right? Basically, except for the Toronto Raptors, you know. So it's a great thing, and uh, you know the classic has always been one of the showcases in Canada of, of university sports, and this year university sport it's going to be women's university sports, so it's exciting. Right, well, best of luck. Thank you very much. So last week I told you about the Fandom 250. It's a list put together by Fansided, which is an aggregate of roughly 300 or so websites devoted to the fandom of sports and pop culture stuff. So this list ranked the top 250 fan bases, not just of sports, but of all things like Black Panther, Game of Thrones, Athletes 2, LeBron James is on the list, Serena Williams pretty high on the list too. Their metrics, things like legacy and fanmanship, passion, buzz, magnitude they're studied they're assigned points all year by committees and then crunched together to form a final score i had an issue with the list last week namely that the jets are not on this jets fans but devils fans are so to explain themselves i caught up with josh hill managing editor so the cleveland browns are number one josh is that a surprise uh not really because they've got really good fans when when you're talking about the phantom 250 we're trying to identify fandoms that aren't necessarily just popular, but they are devoted to what they root for. And the, uh, the Cleveland Browns, the team hasn't been good for, ever since they really came back since 1999. This is really the first year they've had any sort of hope. And despite that hopelessness over the last year, two decades, fans still pack the stadium. They still represent the team. They buy the gear. They're tailgating outside on Sundays. There's a pride in being a Browns fan. When you take a look at a fandom or a fan base that has experienced so much losing, you wouldn't necessarily think that's a positive thing, but it's almost a badge of honor for Browns fans. And we really looked at them, they fit through the formula, they came out with a really high score, and they passed the eyeball test. If you're looking at a fandom you want to be a part of, it can't all be good times. It can't all be Super Bowls and World Series and winning. Uh, really, a mark of true fandom is loving a team even through the hard times, and nobody represents that better than the Cleveland Browns fans. And you look at the top 12 for, as far as sporting teams and people go, really, Alabama, Boston, LeBron James, New York Yankees, Serena Williams, those are all winners that just win all the time. And then you've got the Cleveland Browns, Kansas City Chiefs, and Philadelphia 76ers who haven't won a dang thing in decades. So I've got a question for you about buzz in this city, Winnipeg, Manitoba. There was a lot of buzz in the spring when the Jets made the conference finals, and... 
the Winnipeg Jets fandom is not on the top 250. Is that just because it's not big enough? It's such a small market? Yeah, well, that's one of the factors that went into it. It's kind of a it's a newer market in terms of fans who are rediscovering the Jets. Like, they were there for years before in Winnipeg, and they moved, and then they, they moved back. Uh, they just missed the cut. It was very it was a very close editorial decision as to what we were going to do at the bottom of the list, and Winnipeg was one of the first teams out. And if you look at the bottom of the list, you've got Conor McGregor down there. So you're looking at, you know, the, the Winnipeg just missed the cut, that, that's kind of a bad look. Take a look at McGregor. Take a look at we've got the Cleveland Indians down there. We've got Crazy Rich Asians, which has had a fandom for a while that swelled up, had a lot of buzz this year. But the Winnipeg Jets were very, very close. And they do, you're right, they represent something that we want to identify with the fan of 250, which is fans who aren't necessarily in these huge, flashy markets who are devoted to their teams who do come out and show up not only for the playoffs, but when the team isn't doing well. And the Jets, as, as much as we love them, just missed the cup. There's always next year. This is the third year we're doing it. We're doing a fourth year. So Jets fans, if they keep showing up, maybe they can crack the 250. And I guess that's why Vegas is on this list, despite it being around for about a minute and a half, is because of the buzz factor? Yeah, the, the buzz factor. And that was, that was one of the, the arguments that we had in a lot of our NHL meetings was, has this fan base suffered enough? <laughs> Which is... Not necessarily something you want to be known for, but they didn't win the Stanley Cup. So now they can they can live the tradition of, of being a long-suffering hockey fan base. But yeah, the buzz factor really helps with, with Las Vegas. And just the fact that nobody thought that hockey was going to work in the desert. Everybody dogged it when it was announced. And not only was the team good, but that, that arena sold out. Those fans, they showed up. It was a spectacle both on the ice and off the ice. And it was a really nice inaugural showing from a fandom that May or may not make the list next year, but it was definitely a big year for Vegas this year. And so it doesn't all have to be on the court, on the field, on the ice. Well, another thing we really look at when we're picking these fandoms is what are they like away from the game? Are they a good representation of somebody that you would want to say, hey, this is how you root for the game. This is how you build a community around a team. So it's not so much the Browns are bad, it's the Browns are bad and the fans don't particularly care because it's such a welcoming community. It's such a community that you want to be a part of. You want to be a Browns fan because you see them rooting for that team the way they do, despite of everything else. So that's another big thing that goes into this. And look at the hockey team. Montreal was the, was the top hockey team, or the, hot, no, the top hockey fandom. Toronto came in second. Those are two fandoms that they show up. They love their team. They are not afraid to show their love for their teams, whether it's tickets, whether it's getting tattooing a logo onto your body, and they're not afraid to be inclusive. They're not afraid to say, hey, you want to be a Canadian fan? Come and for the Canadians. This is going to be a fun time. Not necessarily always going to be happy, but that, that, that kind of comes with the territory. Call today, 204-944-1180. I don't know why I sung that. Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. with Christian O'Mell and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes, not available on Google Podcasts, not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Yes.